Um, this morning, as we begin, like I said, we are not starting our Advent or our Christmas series until next week. This week, um, we are wrapping up a series that we began a handful of weeks ago called Ordering the Chaos. We've been talking throughout this series about what does it look like to lean into God's ways? What does it look like to, instead of taking on what the world oftentimes gives us, which is a lot of stress and chaos and just burnout, what would it look like to experience this thing that Jesus uh, promised us, which was life and life to the fullest? And this morning, I want to talk about um, what does it look like to start with thanks? What does it look like to bring it all together? Now, as we begin this morning, sometimes it's good for us to talk in church for a moment. So I want you to take 30 seconds, find someone around you, say hi to them, and I want you to tell them definitively um, what is the best food dish that you partake in at Thanksgiving. One, two, three, go. Find someone, tell, if you have to introduce yourself, do that. All right, bring it back in, bring it back in. Show of hands, how many of you said turkey? Um, ham? Mashed potatoes? Um, I'm in Indiana, so I feel like I'm, I have to ask noodles. Wow, yeah. So I'm originally from Michigan, and uh, I uh, did not understand until I married a Hoosier that noodles are not just like a part of Thanksgiving, they kind of are Thanksgiving. Um, the correct answer, though, was gravy, right? Because um, just like God's love, gravy covers a multitude of sins. Dry turkey, gravy. Unseasoned mashed potatoes, gravy. Stuffing that's a little sus, gravy. Um, anyways, thank the Lord for gravy. That honestly has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. I just, I'm still thinking about food, which is not a good thing. No, it was fun. I went up to Michigan uh, to be with my family in you know, the older I get, I don't know if anyone um, can relate to this, but the older I get, it's, it's interesting because as you sit around um, the table, it's, there's like this joy that wells up inside of you seeing either new faces around the table or um, uh, seeing, you know, things like nieces and nephews or, or grandkids and things like that grow up. And you, you know, you, you saw them, it felt like just a minute ago they were super little and now they feel like they're little adults and that brings you joy and and yet on the other end, there is this piece where uh, the older I get, the more I am aware of um, who is not at the table anymore. Um, and there's a sense of sadness of, of missing. One of the people I thought about um, this year in particular who I was sad to not see around uh, my family's table was my Uncle Jerry. Uh, my Uncle Jerry uh, had this um, kind of big, booming voice. If anyone knows who Robert Goulet is, uh, my Uncle Jerry kind of looked like him. I don't really know why. He was like a mix between Robert Goulet and, and Burt Reynolds. Um, and he had this big, deep, booming voice. And uh, I'll be honest, growing up, I was kind of afraid of him because he was, he was kind of mean and irritable. Um, but my Uncle Jerry um, had this really interesting thing that happened that, that has happened to probably many of us in this room. Um, he experienced the grace of Jesus Christ in his life, and it transformed his life, and, and he went from being this person who I used to be afraid of to this person that I couldn't wait to see because he would always give like these big, 
bear hugs. And he was always so um, kind, especially to me and my brothers. And one of the things that I, I always think of, um, he, had a, he had a phrase of saying, it was almost like, like if we could create like a, a you know, Woody the Cowboy doll where you, where you pull the string, his catchphrase would have been, every time you would walk up to him um, and you'd say, Jerry, how you doing? He would always respond with, better than I deserve. And there was this perspective shift in his life that he had had such a long, hard life running away from God, not following God's ways, experiencing a lot of chaos in his life, that by the time that he really found Jesus, it deeply transformed his perspective of life, and it led him to always have a heart of gratitude. Now, this morning, as we, as we kind of put a bow on this series I want to talk about this idea of gratitude and thanksgiving, because as I have been studying scripture, as I've been watching people's um, lives, one of the things that I have noticed over and over is that people who are truly following God's ways, people who are truly transformed by Jesus, are some of the most grateful and thankful people you will meet. And this morning, what I want to propose to us, what I want to, want to just spend a little bit of time on is this idea that I believe that gratitude to God is a gateway to peace. That if you want to experience this idea of peace, shalom, harmony, wholeness in your life, it is impossible to do it without beginning first with gratitude or thankfulness. And honestly, that feels like an easier said than done, an obvious thing, but the reality is the world that we live in oftentimes is inviting us to feel ungrateful. That we are oftentimes um, invited to believe that the glass is half empty. It's inviting us to believe that things will not get better. It's inviting us to believe that what we have is not enough. And yet scripture over and over beats the drum on this idea of being thankful to God for what we have. To begin with thankfulness. I was reading um, in, in, the, in the last few weeks in the Psalms and in Psalm 50. I love the way that the New Living Translation puts this. It says this. This is Psalm 50, verse uh, 14. It says this. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Now, if that doesn't sum up so much of this series, I don't know what does. There is something about the sacrifice that we make to God being just a, a grateful and thankful heart. And this grateful and thankful heart should lead us to actually follow through on becoming who God created us to be. Because every single person that I have met who's had an authentic encounter with Jesus, who's decided that they want to follow him, every single one of them at the beginning deeply wants to follow through on becoming who God created them to be. The hard part is life often gets in the way, and slowly, eventually, we drift from that. But it is so important because as we learn from um, 1 Thessalonians, there is this thing about the spirit of God that lives inside of us when we choose to follow Jesus that helps us with this, to, that, that makes us uh, be able to always be joyful, to never stop praying, and to be thankful in all circumstances. And we're thankful in all circumstances because this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Quite literally, God has designed and invited us into a life in which we actually can authentically be thankful in all circumstances, regardless of where our bank account is at, regardless of our relational status, uh, regardless of our sports team, whether they lost on Thanksgiving when they shouldn't have to the Packers, 
We can be thankful in all circumstances. So this morning, what I want to do, uh, just briefly with our time, is I want to give us the kind of three steps of what it looks like to foster a true life of peace or wholeness that in particular is marked by this idea of gratitude and thankfulness in our lives. Because again, over and over throughout scripture, what we oftentimes see is people having gratitude or thankfulness oftentimes prior to the miracle, the blessing, the provision. Oftentimes, a heart that has been transformed by God is thanking God in advance, believing for the future, and knowing that God will take care of things. So here's the first thing we do if we want to foster a life of true peace. We start with thanks. Now, this seems silly, right? Oftentimes, right, when, when the, the thank you card comes after the gift, the thank you comes after the thing that has already happened. And yet, I actually believe that, 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 that in the kingdom of God, the, the better way is to begin with thanks. To begin with a thankfulness, knowing and claiming what God is going to do in our lives. Oftentimes also reflecting back on what God has already done. You know, we live in a culture that oftentimes um, falls into the category of what have you done for me lately? I, I, there's been many times for me where part of me also, if I'm honest, um, doubts the power of God because I, I think, well, I haven't seen you do anything miraculous lately. There's part of me that falls in the trap of not actually thinking that God could um, start revival in a new generation because I'm like, well, what have you been doing lately? Which is really silly, and I'm glad that God isn't like, you know, doesn't throw shade or lightning bolts at me for that. But I think there's this beautiful piece of when we start with thanks. There's this story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. You've probably heard it before. It's in some of the other Gospels. We oftentimes refer to it as Jesus feeding the 5,000. You might remember the story, right? Jesus is gathering a crowd out in the middle of nowhere. He's preaching. He's teaching. People are in awe and people are beginning to change. But all these people wandered out into this place with no plan, no provision, and they're there. And when he gets done, it starts to get to this point where everyone's, you know, they're, they're entering into not only hungry, but my guess is probably they're going to borderline into hangry. And there begins to be this question of like, what do we do with all these people? And the disciples say the very logical thing, right? They followed it. Let them figure it out themselves. Makes sense to me. But Jesus sees an opportunity to meet a need. Jesus sees an opportunity um, to, to honestly show who he is, but also Jesus just sees um, with compassionate eyes people who are in need. And if you remember, right, they find out that there's this young boy there, right, who's got um, just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And there's not enough for all the people, right? It doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. It's audacious. And what does Jesus do? He flexes on them, right? He asks for them. He brings them over. And if you remember the story, what does he do first? He gives thanks. Prior to everything magically being enough for everyone, he begins with thanks. And there's this beautiful picture here, this example here for us to be reminded that oftentimes when things don't look like it's going to be enough, oftentimes the best thing that we can do at the very beginning isn't the greatest strategy session in the world, isn't a, isn't a way to hustle more. Sometimes it's to begin with thanks. To praise God for what we have and trust God that he'll provide what we need. There's many people who have tons of chaos in their life. 
um, with their time, with their, their talent, with their treasure. And oftentimes, many of them lack gratitude in their life. You know, you talk to some people and they brag about how busy they are like it's a badge of honor. Like if you say like you're pretty busy, it's almost like they want you to realize like, no, my life is worse. You talk with people about the, the, the state of the economy and, and financial things. And again, sometimes you get people around in a group and it's almost like who can brag who's in debt more? Who can brag about how much tighter things are? Like is it a competition? And yet, some of the people that I found who, like, I want to be like, I want to be around, are, are the people that, regardless of what their checkbook looks like, regardless of how full their schedule is, no matter what their health status is, any of those sort of things, they just have a sense of gratitude. That God is good. That God provides. That God is going to take care of things. And it's not pie-in-the-sky ridiculousness. It's this authentic sense that is, you know, the old saying, the old song goes, he's got the whole world in his hands. And I oftentimes think so many of us would have a greater sense of peace in our life if we would just begin with gratitude. Thank God for what we do have and not be so concerned about what we don't. Thank God in advance of the things that he's going to do. You know, I was thinking this week so much about how many of us, our life would be so much better because I believe that sometimes we need to thank the provider in advance of the provision. That so many of us need to just thank God in advance for what we believe he's going to do. Now this isn't, thank you God in advance for the uh, mansion that you're going to give me. Thank you God for making me taller. It's not these pie in the sky ridiculous things. But so many of us, honestly, we stress and we, 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 we get so frustrated when, honestly, if we would just begin with saying, God, thank you for what I got. Thank you for the way that you're going to get me through this. How incredible would it be just to be able to stand back and see how God provides? You know, again, we, we serve a God who literally can move mountains, who can part seas. And yet, oftentimes, we have things that are a little bit smaller than that, and we don't trust them with it. Start with thanks. Here's the second thing we do. We let gratitude guide our plans. We let gratitude guide our plans. Here's what I mean by this. I, I, I think that many of us, a, a next step for us could be just this, to make and follow through on plans that help make sure our hearts are invested in the right places. Over the last few weeks, we've talked a lot about this idea where Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we recognize, right, treasure can be our attention, it can be our actual money, it can be our time, it can be just our hearts. And there's this valid question that every one of us has to ask ourselves, in particular if we want to be faithful to Jesus, is where do I have my heart actually invested? In, in many of us, if we were honest, our heart isn't fully invested in Jesus and his kingdom. And oftentimes, if we were to kind of take steps back, it's because we have made choices and plans that do not lead us there. I believe that many of us would do so much better in life and have so much more peace in our life if we actually sat down and began to make plans to honor God with the best that we have. In Proverbs uh, chapter 3, we're, we're reminded this, honor God, with, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be um, brim over with new wine. 
Now, I love this concept. There's this biblical concept that we see throughout, in particular the Old Testament, of this idea of first fruits. Part of it comes from this concept of, if you remember the story of Cain and Abel. And there were these two brothers, they are sons of Adam and Eve, and if you remember right, um, one of them brings a gift and it's okay, and one of them brings a gift that is like really good. One gave something that was eh, and one gave something that was the best. Um, Abel brought the better gift, and if you remember right, God saw that as honor and love, and he praised that. And this idea of honoring God with our first fruits is this idea of actually recognizing, again, that all of this is his anyways. But it's also by saying, God, like, I love you enough to give you my best. Have you ever um, received something that made you feel a little bit lesser? A couple, um, couple years back, I did a wedding. And I did this wedding, and it was down in um, the Carmel area in there's this beautiful wedding venue that's there. Um, the dresses uh, that they had were perfect. Um, a nice, very nice meal. There was an um, open bar. There was a lot of money spent. Uh, and, and when it all got said and done, um, the, the, the pastor got nothing, which this isn't really what the story's about. But about a week and a half later, um, I got something in the mail, and it was a card from them saying thank you, uh, along with a gift card. And as I kind of looked at it, it was one of those where I could pretty easily tell that what had probably happened was uh, they, they kind of felt bad that they had done nothing for me, and what they did is they looked through all the gifts that they received, and they picked the gift card that was probably the smallest and the thing they liked the least, um, and sent it to me. Now, the story of this is not to say pay your efficient, but I would agree that's a good idea. The story of this is, in some ways, I honestly felt almost more hurt by the afterthought gift that felt like it was kind of like the, the, the scrap left over um, than anything else. This wasn't a story of someone who couldn't afford something, um, but I oftentimes wonder when I look at uh, many people's lives if, if that is a bit of a feeling of a sentiment that God feels, where there is like all of this extravagance for things that, to be honest, aren't really that important. They're kind of small. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, for some of us, our, our offering to God, whether it be our time, our talent, our treasure, whether it be our, our focus, our attention, our heart, um, feels a little bit like it's the last little thing if we have a little bit left over. And I oftentimes think about, like, what would happen if you tried to do that with your spouse, with your children? Um, if you're still working, if you did that with your boss, hey, I'm going to give you my last 15 I got here, minutes. It oftentimes doesn't feel great. There's something about this idea of a grateful heart, a thankful heart, a heart that has truly been changed, doesn't want to offer kind of the scraps. It wants to offer the best. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I, I, I love this verse um, for many reasons. One, it gives us a promise. Those of us who are generous, God will be generous too. 
Now again, this, doesn't, this isn't an investment like you give $20 and you're going to receive back 50 It's not one of those sort of um, get-rich, um, you know, quick schemes. But there is this reality that God wants to bless us to the measure in which we are willing to be a blessing to him and others. Good, bad, or indifferent, that's what the Bible teaches us over and over. But I love this idea that he tells us this. He doesn't want us to give out of guilt or compulsion or things like that. He wants, to do a, he wants us to do it out of a heart cry, out of a joy overflowing from our life of what he has done for us. Now, I love that idea because, again, we've talked a little about this today. Like, when you're in love, like, you don't care. You're willing to make it rain, right? You're willing to drive miles and miles. You're ready to do those things. But one of the things I love about this is, is God deeply wants to change our hearts to the point that we desire to do these things. But also one of the things that I love that he, that he promises in there too is that he will bless us abundantly so that in all things and at all times you will have exactly what you need. You see, I've never really met someone who was generous to the point that God let them down. Never seen God use someone and call someone to something where in the end they lost out. Because ultimately our perspective ends too, right? Our greatest gift is not things here on earth. Our greatest gift is in eternity. But also there's this reality that like there are so many things that we desire and want in this world, right? Anyone online shopping this past weekend or, you know, anyone miss kind of the days of Black Friday where, you know, Strangers would, you know, fight each other over a, you know, 32-inch flat-screen TV. Do wish they would put groceries on Black Friday. That would have been nice. But so many of us, like, we fight and we desire for so much. And so many things that are, are fine, but if we're honest, they're not consequential. They're not things that ultimately make eternal impacts. They're not things that bring heaven here to earth. And I worry that some of us at the end of our lives are going to say, man, I wish I would have planned and lived differently. I wish I would have invested in things that really made sure that my heart was going to be with God also. One of the challenges I want to give us today um, as we um, think about wrapping up this series and as we think about what does it look like to honor God with our first fruits is, is what would it look like if we made a few shifts in our lives where we actually put God first? Where instead of giving God uh, the rest, we actually looked into giving God the best. What if, what if we desired and, and, and decided to um, make some shifts in our lives where maybe for the first 15 minutes of our day um, we spent with God? You know, before we reach for the phone, before we get in the chaotic thing, and and maybe if this doesn't work, I'm just saying, what if you were to find some prime time of your day and actually give it to God? Give it to scripture, give it to prayer, give give it to just sitting with him. I honestly think so much of our lives would begin to change in really positive ways. And of course, it could be more, it could be less. Start somewhere and keep going. What would it look like if we were to make giving to God a first budgetary priority? What if we were to start and say, I am starting here with making sure that I am investing the treasure that God has given me into the works that he is uh, doing here in my community, whether it be to your church community, whether it be to a nonprofit, but what, what would it look like if instead of that being kind of like almost like a luxury, 
I mean, there, there are times where, honestly, you know, you sit with people who um, they, they would rather, you know, not get the certain groceries and, you know, continue to have cable, things of that nature. But what would it look like if we were to actually make generosity and the kingdom of God like part of our budget and that was the first thing? Where ultimately at the end of the day, like that's the last thing that goes. I have seen in my own life many times where God has shown up in ways that I, didn't make sense when I chose to do that. What would it look like if we allocated time to serving others? To not just say, like, maybe if there's a chance, I'll maybe do it. But what if we were actually to make consistent time where we said, like, yes, this Saturday I'm doing this. Yes, once a month I'll serve here at church in this capacity. What if we were to not let some of these things be up to chance, but actually invest into these things? And finally, what if I connected to a church community? Again, hopefully, if you're here, more than likely you're connected to this church community, but what would it look like to actually honor God with this? What, what, what if you were to make Sunday mornings or, 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 or a small group something that actually is a first and foremost thing, that honestly is the thing that you are trying to protect in your schedule? Again, it's not because this place and these people and this time are the most important things in the world, but here's the thing I know, at least in my own life. When I don't get something like community with other believers on a weekly basis, my week, my life feels off. There is something deeply important about coming together with others to sing the songs, to read the scriptures, to share burdens with one another, to encourage one another on the days ahead. This actually brings peace and wholeness to our lives. What if we were to actually do this? Because here's one of the things that God has been teaching me a lot about the last few years and, and, and feel this boldness to say that if God has opened your heart, we should open our hands. Like if God has opened our heart and he's changed our heart, it should actually lead to our life looking different. That we should be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures. And to be honest... If we're not willing to do that, we probably have to be honest with the fact that Jesus is not the king of our lives. Because love makes us do what the world would say is crazy things. Love makes us sacrifice in ways that maybe we would not have chosen to otherwise. But here's the other cool thing. Love makes it not feel like a sacrifice. It makes it feel like an honor. It makes it feel like it's something that you actually want to do. You recognize how good it is, and you recognize how much when my hands are open, God continues to fill them so that way I can be a blessing. Here's the last thing that we can do to ensure that we're fostering a life of peace and wholeness in our lives. Watch God move and honor your sacrifices. Start with thanks. Make sure that you're making plans that guide yourself with gratitude. And then just actually watch God move and honor your sacrifices. I think sometimes some of us, especially if we've been following for a long time, we've been sacrificing for a long time, we've been serving for a long time, sometimes I think we forget to step back and just look at what God is doing. And it's not for something so we can pat ourselves on the back. It's something so we can do to be reminded of the fruit that God is generously putting on our tree of how he's provided for our family when we didn't think he would, of how he's changing the, the hearts and the lives of people who we love or even our, old, or, or people who used to be our enemies. And we see how God does this over and over again. 
In Psalm 37, it says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Which, by the way, the more we give him our heart, the more our desires look like his desires. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness, your reward, shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. If we actually commit our ways and then just sit back and watch what he does, going to be pretty incredible to see how good our God is. Start with thanks. Make the plans. And watch God move. I'll leave you with one, one last thought and one last story. First thing is just this. I believe that advanced gratitude will lead to advanced faith. What I mean by that is I believe that when we thank God in advance of what he is going to do for us. I believe it actually advances or grows our faith. One of the reasons is it makes us have to trust God. Because we're kind of sticking our neck out there saying, like, I believe you're going to do this. And we have to walk in faith. But the other thing that's awesome about it is oftentimes I believe that many of us fail to see God moving in our lives because we just don't reflect enough. We're constantly moving from one thing to another. There's a reason why when God talks about be still and know that I am God, part of it is this idea of actually sitting back and not taking the credit for yourselves, but to be reminded of how God has taken care of us over and over again. And I think that could change so many of our lives if we would be willing to start with the gratitude and see how much he grows our faith. This week I was... um, thinking about a story and it was a story where I don't know why I kept thinking about it because I'm like this doesn't really fit in the message God Um, but he said no you got to tell it anyways and uh, there's this story it's it's in a few of the different gospels and um, if if you remember this story there is um, this meal that's going on that Jesus was invited to and one of my favorite things about Jesus is how often um he didn't care about being seen with others the way that we often do. You know, there are times where I don't want to be around certain people because I don't want them to think I'm like them. And as the story goes, Jesus is sitting in um, the house of, of this leper and this, this socially um, outcasted person. And, and this is the type of things Jesus would often do. And, and, and in the story, Jesus is um, he's sitting at the table, likely just sharing the meal, and this woman walks in. And this woman walks in, and and, and I believe it's in the Gospel of Luke, mentions that this is a woman with a sinful past. And she walks in with this um, alabaster jar, and inside there was this um, perfume of sorts. And and, and based off what we see in the text and what many scholars believe, this woman likely um, may have had a very scandalous type of past, that oftentimes people would have that much of a perfume or things like that, oftentimes uh, may have been a prostitute, and may have been a person who, who, who kept that as, as in some ways part of their business. And the interesting thing about the text is we don't actually know when and where um, this woman began to um, hear about the grace of Christ. We don't know exactly when... Um, she began to know. We don't know when for sure was the time that she, you know, crossed over the line. 
But scripture talks about how she, how she took this jar that would have been like a year's worth of wages and she began to just pour it out onto Jesus, on his head, on his feet. And, and with her tears and all of this, she began to wash the feet of Jesus. She began to put it down his head. And of course, the disciples were like, what are you doing? Like, this could have been used to, 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 to sell and give to the poor. And there, there's so much hubbub about what's going on. It's, it's so scandalous. It's so um, ridiculous. It's so extravagant. It's like, what in the world is going on? And, and Jesus looks at the, the, the disciples and the people who are in the room. And she's like, don't stop her. She gave out of um, what she felt God was calling her to do. And one of the reasons why I, I love that story is um, it reminds me of the fact that um, any of us who have experienced the um, extravagant grace of God, it's just poured out and seems so extreme and when you know you're so unworthy and, and there's nothing that you're really going to do to like match that and, and take care of that, it, it feels so extravagant that God would send his one and only son um, to pour himself out for me. And yet when this woman does this, Jesus um, praises it and he blesses it because he sees the fact that she has experienced extravagant grace and, and she wants to give back extravagant sacrifice, extravagant love, extravagant thanksgiving. This is her honor. She's willing to give everything because she's recognizing that God has given everything she would ever need through him. So this morning, wherever you're at, wherever your life feels, um, my hope and prayer is that you would recognize that um, in the eyes of God, you are worth so much. That he'd pour out the life of his son so that you could be free, that you could experience peace. And that maybe this morning is an opportunity for some of us to, for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, re-engage with that scandalous, extravagant grace. And as we do, would it maybe also begin to change the way that we live, the way that we plan, that we would grow hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving, that we would make choices and plans that actually honor and show the love that we have for our God, that we would enter into the works that he's called us into, and that we would no longer live a life chaos and darkness but of peace and light would you guys stand with me as we're gonna pray and we're gonna sing one last song let's pray heavenly father we are um we are so just grateful father i i don't always understand um as i continue just to oftentimes mess up to miss the mark uh, to, to, to trend back into caring so much about myself or caring so much about what others think. Um, Father, you continue to just extravagantly pour out grace and mercy and kindness upon me. You continue to provide for me even when I have made poor choices and I probably don't deserve it. Father, this morning as we, as we just commit our ways to you, Father, would you help us honor, uh, honor you with our first fruits? Father, would we make choices that actually bring wholeness to our life, that bring us into alignment with you? Father, this morning, would you give some of us the courage, maybe for the first time in a long time, to just say, Father, I 
need you. The Father, maybe today some may for the very first time, the first time in a long time, just totally surrender to you. Father, whatever it is you want to say to us this morning, um, would you give us the courage and the conviction to know that you are holding our hands as we walk into this call and know that you are kind and you are good and you are worth it. Speak to us as we sing this song. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.